Okay. Good morning. Everyone awake this morning? Amen. I'm still having a hard time with this goofy time change. I don't know what it is. I've been having a rough time sleeping lately. Uh, this is kind of a weird way to, to start the, the service this morning, but I, I have to explain how the Lord kind of led me to the sermon this morning. Um, I think explaining how this all came about sort of gives a little glimpse into how God can speak to us. Even when you're thick scald and all that stuff, He can still make you see what He's trying to get you to see. So I wanted to explain that and then get to the sermon. And I'll be mindful of the times. Most of you know that we are doing a verse-by-verse study of the book of Revelations on Sunday evenings over in the fellowship hall. Many of you have been involved in that. We've actually been enjoying it, having a good time, learning lots. Uh, it's, it's been great. Got lots of good feedback from you guys, and we've just really been having a good time with it. I, I always look forward to Sunday nights. Uh, I anticipate them because it just seems to be such a great time. Uh, lots of people interested in the Word of God. Um, but the sermon this morning kind of comes directly from something that came up last week on our study in sun- on Sunday nights. Um, if you can remember, we were actually talking last week about the two witnesses, right, um, from Revelation chapter 11. And we were kind of talking about maybe who those two witnesses might be. Uh, you know, we kind of believe that uh, they could be have the spirit of Elijah and Moses, and I know other people might disagree, Enoch, whoever, this or that. That's okay. Uh, we could be wrong about that, but, you know, we do our best. Either way, these two witnesses, whoever they're going to be, they are very, very formidable people, very formidable ministers. Revelations chapter 11, verse 5 actually says this, And if any man will hurt them, talking about those two witnesses, fire proceeds out of their mouth and devours their enemies. It says, If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. So these are very formidable individuals, whoever they actually are. They also have power to unleash plagues at their will. Very, very powerful characters. And we spent a little bit of time last Sunday night, if you can remember, kind of making some educated guesses as to who these two individuals might be. The Bible gives us some clues, doesn't exactly say who they will be, but we tried to decipher it and make our best, most educated biblical guess at it. Now, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who those individuals actually are. We could be away. God could be in heaven saying, you're way off. Where in the world are you coming up with that? It doesn't really matter. We could be way off. Either way, God is going to accomplish exactly what he wants to accomplish through these two witnesses, whoever we may think they are. God's going to do what he wants to do. Why? Because he's sovereign. So he's going to do it. We make some guesses at it. Either way, it doesn't matter. So as we looked at some of these uh, past biblical figures who have done some of the same types of things that these two witnesses will do, that led us to make our educated guesses. And, and we recalled that Elijah, you know, these two witnesses can, can speak fire down to consume their enemies. And we looked, and then that's kind of where we came with Elijah. Elijah, several times, as a matter of fact, 
called down fire upon enemies. He, he actually called down fire to consume. You remember when he called down fire in front of the 450 priests of Baal and it consumed all of his sacrifice that he had drenched with water. And then there was another time they came to get Elijah. All these soldiers did. And he prayed and the fire from God fell down and consumed all these soldiers. And then they came back again. He did it again. So that's kind of where we were coming up with we think that it could be Elijah as one of these witnesses. Um, if, if you think about Moses, Moses unleashed all these plagues on the land of Egypt, and it, you know, that's kind of where we came up with that. So interestingly, well, I, I'm getting somewhere, but I do, I do pray that you follow along with me as best you can. This is still the introduction, by the way. <laughs> interestingly, and just for context, I don't really even know why I read this, but if you were involved over there, you'll remember that I read as we were guessing who these two witnesses could be, I mentioned a couple of biblical fellas that tried to call down fire to consume enemies, but were rejected. They were denied. Like I said, I don't really know why I, I even read it. I just did maybe for some context, you know. We were, we were talking about it, kind of guessing who it was, and I just read, here's the passage that I read. Okay, in Luke chapter 9, verse 51. And, and pay attention, it's very interesting. Verse 51 says, And it came to pass, when the time was come that he should be received up, it's talking about Jesus, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. Verse 53 says, And they did not receive him. Because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elijah did? And he turned and rebuked them. And he said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Now, now, I read that last week just for a little bit of context. Here are these two men. They're ready to call down fire to consume these enemies. The Lord Jesus rebukes them. And they're kind of saying, well, Elijah did it. Here's a good chance for us to do it too. The Lord rebukes them and says, no, that's not the reason I came. I came to save people, not destroy them. And they go to another village. For some reason, the next morning, you know, I, I usually try to stay away from the church if I can on Mondays. Um, I got up, and, and it's a good day for me to kind of pray and read my word a little bit. My wife goes to work. My, my boys are at, at school, and I kind of have some time by myself on many Mondays. And I got up, and I just started praying and thanking the Lord. And I always try to reexamine how Sunday went and make sure God was pleased with what we were doing, and we did our best effort and due diligence. So I'm praying, and this little passage that I read to you just would not exit my mind I kept thinking of it over and over and over you know I don't really know why just like the Lord kept on reminding me of it I actually had lunch with my mom and dad and mentioned it to my dad because I kept thinking about it so much dad you remember when I mentioned that you know just kind of strange story huh yeah yeah you know it just was on my heart so God kept reminding me of this I don't know why he kept on reminding me these James and John they're the sons of Zebedee is actually who they are they were they were fishermen that followed Christ 
And the Lord kept reminding me of this passage. And it took me a while. I've already mentioned this morning, you know, thick skull. It takes a little while for things to seek in, sink in. But Jesus had named these two, two gentlemen, James and John. He named them the sons of thunder. Uh, Bonerges is what he actually called them. The sons of thunder is what he called them. I kept thinking about them all day. And finally that evening, Monday night, I was reading my Bible and it all fell into place of why the Lord kept reminding me of this scripture and causing me to think on it and to, to meditate on it and to search through my Bible a little bit. And it kind of all fell into place finally. And then I understood why God kept reminding me of these two sons of thunder. So let's jump into it. How's that for an introduction to a sermon? I will be mindful. We won't be here till 2 o'clock. Don't worry. I'm always mindful of the time. So, Jesus, in Luke chapter 9, real, real quick, we won't go through it. It's actually a, a longer chapter. Jesus had taken Peter, James, and John up into a mountain. Jesus is transfigured up on this mountain. We're not, we're not going to get into the transfiguration of Christ today, maybe another day, because that's awesome too. When they come back down, they heal this demon. Jesus heals this demon-possessed man. And then Jesus was ready to go to Jerusalem. That's kind of what happened at his transfiguration. Uh, actually, figures appeared, and they talked about the crucifixion. They talked with Jesus about the crucifixion and what he was going to go through. And it, the transfiguration pretty much prepared Christ to go through what he was going to have to go through. So he sets his face to Jerusalem. He knows where it's going to take place. So Jesus sets his face to Jerusalem. And that means he's going to travel there. He's determined to make it there. That's his destination. Well, from where they were, to get to Jerusalem, the shortest route was through Samaria. Okay? The, the, to go right through Samaria, they could get right to Jerusalem. So Jesus sends a few of his disciples ahead of him and says, Hey, guys, we're going to go. We have to travel to Jerusalem. We're going to go through Samaria. Go through, make, get some provisions, some water, some food, get some lodgings for us, secure what needs secured, make all this preparation so that when the rest of us get there, we'll be ready. Okay, so these Samaritans, they see Jesus' men, and they pretty much tell Jesus and his men, get lost. It says they do not receive them. Beat it. We don't want you. We don't want your kind. Find somewhere else to stay. No, you can't have our food. No, you can't have lodgings here. Get out. Get out. We don't want you. Now, they knew that Jesus was a Jew. They knew that Jesus' men were Jewish. And the Samaritans have no dealings with the Jews. They did not like each other. It went both ways. Jews didn't like Samaritans. Samaritans didn't like the Jews. As a matter of fact, and, and you don't have to turn here, but for context, the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verse 9. Remember when Jesus meets the woman at the well and she's a Samaritan? It says this, Then says the woman of Samaria unto him, unto Jesus, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? Listen, it says, For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. These, th this here is showing that there are prejudices between the two groups. That the Samaritans don't like the Jews and the Jews don't like them. There's prejudices. There's preconceived notions. There's bias there. They don't like each other. 
Now, what, what had happened here, and, and this goes back many, many, many years. This is way before Jesus' time all this happened. It, it didn't just happen in Jesus' time. They didn't like each other for a long time. That these, these Samaritans were actually a Jewish people, Jewish lineage that had intermarried with other people groups. They had intermarried with Assyrians and so on and so forth so that they were a mixed breed, if you will. And they also mixed Judaism, the, the religion of the Jews, with paganism. So they did not worship like the Jews did. They, they mixed in some pagan type things with the Jews. So then the Jews said, well, we don't like you then. And they said, well, then we don't like you either. And that's how it all started many centuries before Christ. They were a mixed breed of Jews. They believed in the Torah. The Samaritans believed in the Torah, the law of God. But they also served false gods and mixed it in with it. So it was a type of Judaism mixed with paganism. So, we ain't your friend then. We don't like you. You ain't going to do it this way. You won't see eye to eye to us. We don't like you then. You're no good bums. And okay, then you're no good bums too. So there was this, there also was a contention. Now, now follow with me, okay? I know there's a lot of information here to take in, but there also was a contention that the Samaritans said that the, the real place of worship is not the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. No, 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 no. It's Mount Gerizim or, or however you pronounce it. The Samaritan says it was that. And the Jews said, no, it isn't. It is not. The, the place for us to worship is the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. So this long-standing quarrel between the Samaritans and the Jews. Prejudices, biased, racist, whatever you want to say, they didn't like each other. Jews didn't like Samaritans. Samaritans didn't like the Jews. Went both ways. And here you have Jesus trying to pass through, Jewish, trying to pass through this land of Samaria. Samaria. And to Jesus' guys, he says, hey, you guys can get lost. The Samaritans say, get out, go around. Now there was another longer route, much longer route, to go around Samaria to get to Jerusalem Samaritans say, I don't care. You take the long route. Jesus, get lost. We don't want you here. So they did not receive them. We don't like your kind. Don't buy our food. We don't want your teachings. Don't want to hear what you have to say. Don't care. We ain't receiving you. Get out. Go somewhere else. This is why James and John, the sons of thunder, are ready to call down the fire. Because they insulted Jesus. They rejected Jesus. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even out as Elias did. Elias is just a Greek way to spell Elijah. They say, hey, the Lord, Elijah did it before to his enemies. Here's a good chance. Let's call down the fire and burn up these Samaritans. Let's burn them up, Lord. They're, they're rejecting you, Lord. They're prejudiced against you. They don't like you. They don't like us just because we're Jews. They don't want to hear what you have to teach. They're out and out rejecting you, Lord Jesus. So let's call down the fire and consume these enemies of ours. Now we have to remember that James and John loved Jesus just like we do. They loved Jesus. He was everything to them. He was the Messiah. They left everything. This says they were fishermen. And when Jesus came, he called to them and they left it and they followed him immediately. They loved him. They believed him. They trusted him. He was their master, the Messiah. But the Samaritans reject Jesus. 
And here, these Samaritans, they're, they're being rude to the Messiah, to the one they love. They have forsaken everything for this man, for what he's preaching, for the sake of the gospel. And the Samaritans are saying, get out, Jesus, we don't like you. We don't want you. So a, a righteous anger wells up inside of these two men. And they're ready to call down fire. They're being, well, go eat somewhere else. Go stay somewhere else. We don't want your kind here. We have to understand James and John, they're defending Jesus. It is a noble thing to defend Christ. It is a good thing. James and John, they're not idiots. They're defending Christ. They're defending the Word of God, what is sacred and true and right. It is a noble thing that they're doing. A very noble thing. So a, a righteous anger springs up inside of them. And the son, sons of thunder, James and John, asked Jesus, Jesus, let's give us permission and we'll pray and we'll call down fire from heaven and consume these people that reject you, that are being rude to you, that are biased against you, that are racist against you. They're just protecting Jesus, trying to protect him, what's right, his word. Now, while we may think the sons of thunder get a little zealous here, and they are, they're zealous, are they much different than us? Do you think all 100% thoughts of mercy and hope for the godless people that you have to deal with? I don't. Don't we have a generation of Samaritans alive and well in this nation today that clearly don't want Christ, Amen. reject Him, can't stand Him, don't want to hear what He has to say, don't care what's written in this book, don't eat my food, don't come into my nation, get out, don't want anything to do with Him. Don't we have a generation of Samaritans alive and well today? Don't we have a generation of Samaritans that don't care all? If they're rude to Christians, don't care if they're rude at all to Jesus, don't care at all if they offend God. Don't we have people today that have prejudices against God that I would say many people hate God even. Some people even deny his existence even. Don't we have so many people today that have prejudices against Christianity? Look, I'll admit to you, one thing you got to say and me preaching the word is I'm at least transparent. I'm at least, I ain't going to hide anything from you. I would admit, when I, I see some of the things going on in this nation today, it makes me so mad. It makes me so angry. I get a righteous anger inside of me. Because I, I take this word and I, I look through it and I pour over it and I see it says this and I see people in our nation doing things contrary to this and it makes me angry. Right here's the answer. All you got to do is obey this. Amen. And a righteous anger wells up inside of me and burns within me. I get a righteous anger. I'm going to be honest. I feel like I've been righteously angry for several years now. That this anger has built up inside of me and it's a good anger. It's a righteous anger. It's an anger for, pro, the things of God. Not for the things of the world. It's, it's, a, it's an anger for righteousness. You know, I, I say, oh, okay, big tech, you want to censor us conservative folks? Okay, Lord, 
can we call down fire and consume them? This is how my thoughts go. Oh, okay, you want to pass the Equality Act? Go ahead, no big deal. Lord, can we call down fire from heaven to consume them, Lord? Please, come on, Lord. Lord, I'm trying to defend your word here. Lord, everything Christian people post, they want to take it back off YouTube. You can't even have free speech. We're supposed to have free speech. Go ahead, Lord. Now is it the time? Elijah did it. Can we do it now? Send that fire down, Lord. You know, it's a righteous anger. It's, it's justified. There are so many, so many situations and circumstances where I feel like calling down the righteous fire of God. So many. Look around you, brothers and sisters. This, this nation is on a rocket ship straight to hell. Straight to hell. There, there's no argument can even be made against that. And I, I see that the opportunities there to do good, to turn it around. We can write this thing. But we continue to make ungodly decisions. And I'm, I, I want to pull my hair out and think, what? And the anger just rises up inside of me. It rises up inside of me. They're violating scriptures. These are the enemies of God. Lord, can we call down the thunder? Can we call down the fire on these people and consume them, Lord? They are our enemies. They're not on our side. They're the enemy. Oh, you say, and I quote, what any religious tradition ascribes as God's will is no concern of this Congress. You hear that one lately? Okay, okay, fine. Lord, Lord, can't give me permission, Lord, to pray down the fire to consume our enemies, God. You want to say stuff like that? It, it just makes me angry. Makes me angry. Oh, you don't need God to govern this nation? You want to reject God? You don't care about what God thinks? You think you can run a nation without the Lord? Lord, 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 can we, can we pray down fire to consume our enemies, Lord? Elijah did it, Lord, can we do it now? Lord, send down fire. Consume these enemies. We'll make this a Christian nation once again. We'll serve you. We'll govern with the word of God. Just deal with these enemies, Lord. Call the fire down. Consume them, Lord. Give me your permission. Say the word, Lord, and I'll start praying and fasting for you to send that fire down. Lord, can we call down fire? We'll make this a God-fearing nation again like it once was church you have to understand James and John they're just defending Jesus they're defending what is right and wholesome and pure they're defending a good cause they're defending a righteous cause matter of fact there were no causes that are more righteous than Jesus and their anger rises up in them when the Samaritans say get out James and John's these people rejected Jesus. Let's deal with them. Let's take care of this. They don't want to hear what you have to say? All right, I got something up my sleeve for them. James and John, they want to see the righteous hand of God execute judgment. James and John, they want to see the righteous hand of God execute justice on the ungodly, on the blasphemers, on the adulterers, on the idolaters. You see it over and over and over again and it becomes vexing. 
Doesn't it become vexing? Don't you look around you and you see the, hit, the sins going on. You see the blasphemy going on. You see the celebration of wickedness going on. And it vexes you. It vexes a righteous person. Someone who's saved and regenerated and washed. It's vexing. It almost makes you slump over and think, I can't hardly take it. So then this righteous anger starts welling up inside of you. And you're ready for a fight. Ready for things. Come on, let's get it on. Let's go. But if James and John are so right, why then does Jesus rebuke them? That's what I wrestled with all day Monday. You know, Luke 9.55, back to our text, he says, but he turned, Jesus did, he's walking and he turns and rebuked them and said, you know not what manner of spirit you are, for the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them, he says. And they went to another village. Do you know what a rebuke is? A rebuke is a sharp criticism. A rebuke is a verbal reprimand. Jesus sharply and verbally disapproves of their suggestion. Their suggestion to call down fire and to consume the Samaritans. James and John want to. It's righteous. They're defending Jesus. Jesus rebukes them. Sharply criticizes them. Strongly disapproves of their suggestion. Then it's as, as though he says, when he, when he says, you don't even know what kind of spirit you're supposed to have in you. Jesus is saying to them, you've lost sight of the mission. You've lost sight of the cause. The cause isn't to destroy people. I'm not here to destroy. I'm here to try to save people. And James and John lost sight of that. In their righteousness that arose up in them, they lost sight of the real truth of the mission they lost sight of what the real cause was, the, the purpose of it all. They lost sight of it because they focused just on this one thing. And they lost sight of the overall picture. The overall picture is to save. It's salvation. To save mankind. Not destroy them. You know not what manner of spirit you are, Jesus said to them. You guys are way off the mark in your righteous anger. In your zealousness, you, you, lost, you lost it. You're wrong. You lost the mark. Now, I like what Jesus ultimately ends up doing. doesn't say he went to discuss it with the Samaritans. He went to try to rationalize. He went to discuss it. He, he went to settle the matter. It says, and they went to another village. They, you want to reject Jesus? Okay, Jesus says, all right, we'll go somewhere else. That simple. I'm ready for a fight. Jesus rebukes them. I came to save people, not destroy them. Brothers and sisters, aren't you glad you're not God? We would have burned down this whole world by now. Every last one of us would be dead. How petty we are. Oh, you, you don't like my shirt. Okay, Lord, <laughs> call down the fire and burn him up. Aren't you glad that I'm not God? 
I would have, I would have, I'd have so much blood on my hands from killing so many people and burning down all these. How many people would we have destroyed by now if, if we could call down fire and consume? We would destroy people. Oh, that church over there, they think they're better than we are. Lord, call down the fire, burn that church up. Oh, think of people that have harmed our families. We would have called down the fire and burned them up. Think of somebody that maybe has taken an opportunity away from you. We would have, have called down, and maybe they even did it underhandedly. We would have said, hmm, he did it underhandedly. That's evil. I'm going to call down the fire on this person. Think of all the people that have been rude to us. How many people would you have called down the fire on when you're driving? Somebody cuts you off. Man, it happened to me the other day. I was ready to call down the fire. Lord, incinerate this vehicle in front of me that just pulled out in front of me. Think of the people that have spread rumors about us. Said things about our wife or our kids or whatever. It's a good thing we're not God. I ain't even close to God. We would have called down fire to consume them all by now. Oh, you don't agree with my political views? Oh, that's okay. Lord, consume this individual with fire. Oh, you don't agree with me that abortion is wrong? Oh, you think abortion's okay? Lord, these people over here that are killing babies, consume them with fire. Burn them off the planet. Oh, you don't think that marriage is between one man and one woman? Oh, you don't think that? You think marriage is something else? You think you can redefine marriage? Lord, give me the permission. Call down fire and burn these people up because they're saying something that's against the word of God. Church, listen to me now. I, I think that we have to be real, real, real careful when we're ready to pull the righteous trigger of God's weaponry. Uh, we're so ready at the drop of a hat. Oh, you don't need God in this nation? Oh, you, need God, you don't need God's help? You don't want His input at all to, to help with this nation, to help run this nation? Uh, I'm ready to pull the trigger. Let's go, God. Come on, what are you waiting on, Lord? Come on, let's go. I think we need to be real careful. Real careful. Now listen to this. I, I know many of you I've even said this before. If you had your way, you'd have the Lord to rapture you up right now. Man, I'd, I'd be all right with that, wouldn't you? Lord, let's, let's do the rapture right now. Poof, I'll be gone. There ain't anything down here that I'm holding on to anymore. I've lost interest in all of it, Lord. Poof, take me. Let's go right now. But I think we need to be careful in that. Well, why should we be careful in that? Because there's more than at stake than just you. There are more souls on this planet than just you and your friends and your family. There's a lot more souls. There's a lot more at stake than just yourself, than just myself, than just me. Maybe that's the perspective that God's had. Maybe that's why He hasn't pulled the trigger yet. Maybe that's why He hasn't poured out His wrath yet. It's because He's saying, nope, not yet. Wait a minute, there could be one more. There could be a dozen more. But I'm down here saying, Lord, right now, come on, let's go. Lord, this, this is getting bad. I don't want to be here anymore. Lord, let's go. Come on, what are you waiting on? Lord, saying there could be one more. I'm trying to get better at praying and suggesting things to God. Tell, telling Him things. That's what we do when we pray. We pray and we suggest to a being that existed before the entire universe. He has no beginning. He has no ending. 
He is timeless. He's immaterial. He spoke stars into existence. And I'm down here, a person who walks around, if I'm lucky, 70 or 80 years, I'm telling him what to do. Now, here's, here's why we have to be careful when we're ready to call down the fire of God on the ungodly. And this is what God showed me Monday night, you know, leafing through the Bible. Now, in the opening scripture from Luke 9, we had read that the Samaritans you know, who dwell in Samaria had rejected Christ. Go around, beat it. That's what we read in chapter 9. Now, that's, Luke is one of the Gospels. We know shortly thereafter, Jesus was crucified, resurrected, ascended into heaven. Then the very next book is called Acts. It records the Acts of the Apostles. Okay, so in a chronological timeline, the very next thing that happened was the book of Acts. Okay, Jesus had died, resurrected, and ascended into heaven. Then you have this book of Acts, and it kind of records the beginnings of Christianity, if you will. The beginnings of the early church, if you will. And there's lots of persecution. And if you remember, before Paul was saved, his name was Saul. And Saul was going around, and he was torturing and tormenting all these early Christians, trying to stomp them out. He, they had just killed Stephen, who was preaching and saved and, and preaching and teaching, and they had just killed him and stoned him. So as we read this scripture from Acts, I want you to know, to, to see the chronological timeline. The story from Luke chapter 9 with the sons of thunder, when they're ready to call down this fire, roughly maybe 32 A.D. Here we're going to be in 33 A.D., roughly a year, maybe a year and a half later, okay, after the sons of thunder get rejected from Samaria and turned away. So roughly a year, year and a half later, Acts chapter 8 verse 4 says this, and this is when the light bulb went off in my mind and I felt like Christ, or the Lord, confirmed this message this morning. So everything I've preached up until this now, put it all together now. Acts chapter 4, or, sorry, chapter 8 verse 4 says, Therefore they that were scattered abroad, the, the early Christians, went everywhere preaching the word. Verse 5, pay attention. Then Philip went down to the city of Everybody say, where is that at? Samaria. Samaria. So here we are again, year, year and a half later, back in Samaria. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. So let, let's stop there for a second. These are the same people, the Samaritans, the, the same ones, a, a little over a year, year and a half, maybe two years later, that the, the early Christians are dispersed. They're attacked and they disperse all through the area. And Philip here goes to the city of Samaria and he preaches Christ unto them. Let's see what happens. These are the same people that James and John, remember, said, Lord, shall we call down fire from heaven and consume them? They're rejecting you. Same people. Verse 6 says, And the people, the Samaritans, with one accord, gave heed unto those things which Philip spoke, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Verse 7, for unclean spirits 
crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. Brothers and sisters, do you see that the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God? If it was up to man, if it was up to James and John, the sons of thunder, they would have burned all those people up when they rejected Jesus just a year, maybe two years earlier. James and John, if they would have got their way, if man would have had his way, if man could have executed righteous judgment, the Samaritans would be burning in hell to this day. The wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. Jesus rebuked James. He rebuked John when they asked, can we call down the, the fire and consume them? He rebuked them. Why? Because he knew there's a chance someday that maybe one of them would receive salvation. He saw the real mission, the real cause, the overall cause is salvation, souls. Winning souls. And James and John couldn't see it. They got caught up in, in the righteousness of it all. He rebuked them. Those Samaritans would be, do you realize that they'd be burning in hell right now if Jesus would have said, all right, they did. They did reject me. Let's get rid of them. And the fire would have came down. They'd be burning in hell right now. Church, but we serve a God that is rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy. Those Samaritans, they did in fact reject Jesus. Beat it. We don't want you. Get the heck out. Leave. No, our food. You ain't, you, I don't want you to have it. No, our, don't think about any lodgings here. They did. But God is rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. And He can see at least a slim chance of salvation in the most hard-hearted of souls. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 says this, But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Where would you be without His mercy? Brothers and sisters, what if someone would have asked if they could call down the fire on you when you were a blasphemer, when you were an idolater, when someone came to you and said, hey, here's the Word of God. Hey, let's go to church. And you said, get that Bible out of my face. I don't want nothing to do with it. What if they would have prayed and said, Lord, they rejected you. Can we consume them with fire? Maybe you wouldn't be here. Maybe you would be eternally spending eternity in hell. But God is rich in mercy. Brothers and sisters, we got to be careful when we want to pull the trigger. we got to be careful. Uh, I'm going to bring this to close, but we're going to read just one more thing. And, and if I could have the band make their way as I read this. I, I want to finish by reading what would not, pay attention now, what would not have happened if the sons of thunder would have had their way. All this that I'm about to read would not have occurred had Christ granted permission to the sons of thunder and burned those people up. We're going to pick back up in verse 9. It says, But there was a certain man called Simon, this is in Samaria again, 
which before in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. Verse 11, And to him they had regard, because that a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. Verse 12, But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And Simon himself, the sorcerer, believed also when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. You understand, they got to send for some backup. These people are getting saved. These people are being regenerated. They're receiving Christ. Even this sorcerer, this great sorcerer in Samaria that had bewitched them with magic and dark paganism, whatever it was, even he gets saved in his wonderment at the Gospels. They even got a call for backup. Hey, go, go bring more disciples. Bring more. I need more help over here. These people, the, the gospel's starting to spread here. I need more help. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Look at verse 17. Then laid they hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Not only are they being saved, not only are they being baptized, but now they're receiving the Holy Ghost even. None of that would have happened. Simon the sorcerer, none of them would have been saved. None of them. If James and John could have had their way and pulled the trigger on them and executed what they thought was God's wrath and God's justice. All these people that ended up getting saved. They got saved, washed. They were sorceries. They were mixing the Bible with paganism they would have been burning in hell if man would have had his way brothers and sisters we don't know what's going to happen in this nation I know that there are so many godless people I know that we have godless leadership I know that we have big tech censorship I know that we are leaders of the world in abortion and all kinds of pornography and terrible things like that I know that but we don't know we, don't, we, we can't see like God can see you don't know what he's going to do in the future he could save many many even if it's just one more person I think God's going to say no wait just until that last person gets saved I, I truly believe that's what he's waiting on the rapture He's waiting for that last soul to be saved. Brothers and sisters, this godless land that is living in direct rebellion, we got to be honest, our nation is living in direct rebellion of God. But this godless nation that's living in direct rebellion against the Lord, there's still a chance that some of them could get saved. There's still a chance someone could hear the gospel and be changed forevermore. There's still a chance. Don't pull the trigger yet. Don't, don't pray. Don't even ask God for, to pour out His wrath. Don't ask Him yet. Hold off. Hold off on praying for the rapture. I know I want to go too. 
there's still a chance that some of them could get saved. I suggest that we let God execute His judgment in His time. Amen? Church, don't forget the cause. Don't forget the overall picture. Let's stand this morning.